0: for one million dollars of coverage some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams so save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using policy genius head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save that's policygenius.com policy genius because there will be a world without us
1: to dear hank and john
0: don't i prefer to think of it, dear john and hank
1: it's a comedy podcast where two brothers answer your questions give you dubious advice and bring you all the week's news from both mars and afc
0: wimbledon shoot i forgot my joke You've got you've got two jobs one is to read the questions <laughs> and the other it's not like this is a podcast that requires a tremendous amount of preparation
1: i got it i, I had one ready i just didn't have it up okay did you know that "ah" is not a real word? It isn't. Yeah, it's not. I can't even express how angry that makes me.
0: <laughs> I, I would have told that one a little bit differently <laughs> if, if I can pitch okay. it my way. Right. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Hank, I'm open to critiques. Did you know that "ah" uh, isn't even a real word? Yeah. Yeah. I think you had to go <laughs> harder into the anger. <laughs>
1: Okay. Isn't even a real word like that?
0: No, I hope you don't take this personally, but I don't think you're in touch with your anger. Do you remember in the 1980s how there was that whole movement <laughs> where people had to get in touch with their anger?
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was a bad idea, I think. It was also like part of like getting to know your inner child. And of course, like what your inner child wanted was coincidentally also what your 44-year-old midlife crisis self wanted. Right. Mhm. Yeah, cars to do whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 Hank, I do have some good news for you this week. Uh, in fact, it's great news, probably. We don't know for sure yet because it hasn't started as we're recording this. But the Project for Awesome is happening, the 12th hey. annual Project for Awesome, Nerdfighteria's huge charity project. Every year there's a 48-hour live stream, which has ended as you're listening to this. But if you're listening to this right after it became available, you can still go to projectforawesome.com donate right now and get amazing perks, including... Episodes of Dear Hank and John, a secret episode of my podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed, only for Project for Awesome Donors, etc., etc.
1: Yeah, there's lots of good stuff. John, I think that you and I are going to do a commentary of Grease 2. Is this, are we definitely going to do this? Because I feel like we should definitely do this.
0: I believe so. If you get that perk or the digital bundle, you will be able to watch Grease 2 <laughs> as if you were with Hank and me. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, I recent. I did watch Grease 2 in the last, uh, last year, and... You know, honestly, it kind of held up. I was like, okay, this is pretty good, actually.
0: The one thing I know for certain is that it's the best Grease movie. I don't know if it's the best (laughs) movie.
1: I did not say that it was the best movie. John, do you want to get to some answers from
0: our questions of our listeners? (laughs) Sure, and how (laughs) elegantly put. This first question comes from Jackie who writes, Dear John and Hank, I recently got an office job at my school's health clinic. The hours are good and the pay, about $12 an hour, is pretty good for an entry-level position. Since the holiday season is around the corner, I feel obligated to get my boss something to mark the occasion. Should I research my boss's interests and get a really specific Mm. gift or will a card work? Do Mm. I need to get anything at all? Any advice Mm. would be appreciated. Part-timing in Portland, Jackie Z."
1: I feel like we've answered a question similar to this at some point in the past, and the answer is a
0: card is above and beyond. Yeah, a card is not even necessary. You don't have to get your boss a holiday present, but if you really like your boss, you can get a card. Hank, have I told you before about the CEO of that silverware company?
1: The CEO of that silverware company? There are still silverware companies? I thought we were just all using the stuff that was made a long time ago.
0: Hank. Yes. There was a CEO of a silverware company. I don't think they actually made silverware. They made like cutlery that was silver plated. Sure, but anyway, I, it was called like the Oneida Silverware Company or something. That's not relevant. What's relevant? Is that their CEO was this beloved person who didn't hoard all of the wealth that the company made and who the mm-hmm. employees of the company really respected, and he mm-hmm. kept them employed during, you know, difficult periods and, and everything. And when he retired, the employees of the company pitched in to buy him a Cadillac.) <laughs> <laughs> That's awful, nice. And that is the kind of CEO you don't see as often these days. No, yeah. Where
1: it's like, at the end of my long career, I finally got that big payoff. It's a car. (laughs) It's like
0: the car I could have bought 40 years ago if I had been a normal CEO. But that is the career I desperately want to have. Like, I want to be the kind of boss and person Who gets a Cadillac when he retires. Like, that is my goal. I'm just going to say it right now. Obviously, no obligation, people who work it complexly. (laughs) I look at that person's career as a real guiding light. So unless your boss is that extraordinary, Jackie, don't worry about it. John, why do you think this is something that occurred
1: to Jackie? Like, why did it pop up as something that Jackie thought that Jackie should do?
0: I think Jackie's probably just a nicer person than we are. Ah, that might be it. Yeah. I honestly, just as a heads up, Hank, I'm not planning to get you a Christmas present.
1: Oh, yeah. Catherine and I tossed around some ideas for you, and and ultimately we decided that um, a real gift to you would be not increasing the amount of stuff you have to deal
0: with in your life. That's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I am getting you uh, and Catherine a small gift, but you're going to receive it and be like, well, that was very small. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly what I want is stuff that I can eat so that I
1: don't have it anymore. good news. (laughs) Yes. It's consumable. Excellent. Oh, I think we got you some consumables as well, though you don't consume them with uh,
0: your mouth. Okay. I'm looking forward to those (laughs) enemas.
1: (laughs) <laughs> no, they're consumed by
0: something external to you. What the f- <laughs> Is it fish food? No. They're consumed by something external to you. Know, consumed is what, the wrong word. <laughs> what could it possibly be? they like, I'd say
1: 10% of people listening right now know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: They're consumed by something external to you during an activity that you enjoy. They're consumed. By, <laughs> is it, they're consumed by something external to you during an activity you enjoy. Is it clothing that wicks my sweat? Whoa! No! 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 Nope! They're consumed by. What is consumed by something external to me that would be a present for me? Are you trying to solve world hunger? I guess.
1: No, no, no. It just, it makes, it makes a thing you enjoy more enjoyable.
0: And in the process it is used up. And in the process it is used up. Is it a subscription to NBC (laughs) Sports Gold? (laughs) Which I would appreciate. No, though. Maybe now it is. No, don't worry. uh, I already bought it for myself.
1: Let's just let everybody on Twitter tell you what I'm talking about. And then you'll be like, oh, duh. Is that okay? Because
0: I don't want That's to tell fine. you what your Christmas present is. That's fine. I mean, there's only like two activities I enjoy, and neither of them involve feeding things external to me. I, it's, it's used up during the process. It is not consumed by anything. It's used up during the process of... I just... I, what are your two major things that you like? Is it solar power to pay for the electricity that allows me to watch soccer?
1: No, no,
0: don't. The only things I like, the only things I... Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, Hank. Yeah. In any given moment, the only two things that I really want to do are watch soccer, Mm -hmm. ideally Liverpool or AFC Wimbledon, Mm -hmm. and read a book. Okay, well... But
1: that's not true. There's other things you enjoy. And oh, I know is it, it it's to one of your. it's one of your main things. It's one of your main bits.
0: Is it related to gardening? No, that is one of your main bits, and you do enjoy oh. that. I thought it might be some, like, sweet fertilizer. That's good. Just we like should have got used some you some composted poop. <laughs> I just, just got John. I got
1: you this bag of really <laughs> deep soil. It's just great. It's beautiful. This is the like good I stuff. You, yeah, I just sent oh, you the man. really good stuff. We make yeah. it in Missoula. You don't have dirt like that in Indianapolis. <laughs> we, we we really don't actually. Another question, John. It comes from Michael, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, when you're laying down on your side, where do your arms go? Rhymes with Michael." Michael. Michael, my arms stay attached to my shoulders?
0: Yeah, honestly? which is a bummer when you think about yeah. it. Like I, mm-hmm. I'd never considered this until just now, but wouldn't it be great if we could trade out our arms for Wait. better arms or for legs? Oh, gosh. Are we just switching our arms and
1: our legs? Because that seems like a real bad idea. Seems no. like the arms were put where they are for a good reason.
0: Yeah, no. Obviously, we would be adding an extra pair of legs so that you could oh, okay. become a four-legged creature and fast as a cheetah.
1: Ooh, could I have like three legs and one arm? That would be fun. Would it? Yeah, you know, so I, I can mean, run you know in and I'll also like I'd, eat an apple at the same time. I'd love to try it, right? Like yeah. Yeah. one of
0: the bummers is that there are so few versions I just can't try it. of yeah. human anatomy that you can try.
1: And, and also, I think that it would help a lot when uh, when sleeping on your side because Yeah, right. well, the, the question I have though is how do you put your arm back on if you've taken them both off? I assume it's just a Mr. Potato Head situation, just a
0: snap in, snap out.
1: So you just like gotta like position your body in the right way and just be
0: like Kunk. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining. The arteries all reattach. I mean, if you think about it, Hank, human anatomy is such a disaster. Like <laughs> It's a beautiful disaster. Why are we perched so precariously on these Two long limbs. It, it I makes mean, no I do
1: often feel like I would like to have four legs because I feel precarious. I my feel head, I could tip over at any moment. Catherine has very small feet, and I don't. I honestly don't understand how she stands up. I think
0: it's crazy that my head is six feet away from the ground. That means that That's every single fall could be catastrophic. Why isn't my head like a foot and a half off the ground? Yeah, yeah, which is, like, Oren's head is always, like,
1: a foot and a half off the ground, and so he never really hurts himself that bad. He doesn't have that far to go. That's that's
0: one of the big pleasures of being, too, I would argue, is that, like, <laughs> your falls are not catastrophic. There is a linear relationship between age and how much it sucks to fall down.
1: Yo, oh, yeah. No, I fell down the stairs yesterday a little bit, like, three of the stairs in my house, and I feel real bad. I feel yeah. so bad.
0: Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Well, wait till you're 80 and you break. A <sighs> yeah.
1: Hip. No, if I'd done that, if I'd done that 20 years from now, I'd be in the friggin' hospital.
0: Anyway, Michael, uh, that's what we do
1: with our arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we just like you, we think, boy, it would be nice to not have these stupid things during this one particular activity. Uh, but I have them anyway. And so I just I, you know, I do whatever feels right. And then I p-
0: wake up and my shoulder hurts. All right. This next question comes from Avery, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm well versed in the idea that it is unacceptable to wear the t-shirt of a band you don't listen to. Mm-hmm. I've watched my friends struggle to name three Ramon songs too many times. By the way, I think it's fine to have a t-shirt of a band you don't listen to, as long as it's an awesome t-shirt. But does this policy transfer to YouTubers? Sometimes I'll be scrolling through DFTBA.com and think something looks really cool, but I don't watch The Creator. Can I wear it anyway? Do I need to first watch The Creator in case someone asks me to name three videos? Pumpkins and Penguins, Avery. Oh, so somebody's going
1: to catch you. They're going to be like, I see what shirt
0: you're wearing. Tell me three videos. Oh, gosh. Are we there? Is that where we're at as a society? Right. Where the kind of gotcha-ism of Twitter has now spread (laughs) into real life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, I, I think a lot of those shirts are designed specifically in the hope that people will buy them even if they don't know very much about the show right because they want to sell as many shirts as possible i see i see oftentimes youtuber shirts as like fashion lines like here are the the like things that i think look good it matches with my aesthetic and it's got a message that i believe in and if you uh, have an aesthetic that matches that and you like the message ah uh, yeah absolutely just buy it and if people ask like where you get that shirt it doesn't even
0: have to be from a youtuber it's
1: just the shirt says the guy who owns the merch company.
0: Well, but you should tell them that you got it from DFTBA.com, your friendly yeah. neighborhood e-tailer. You should definitely tell them where you got it. And also, there is no ex- there's no reason not to
1: buy a shirt at all. There are no reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can't you can't find a, a reason not to buy a YouTuber shirt at DFTBA.com that I will not that I will agree with.
0: Not to mention posters, coffee right. mugs. The Absolutely. list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This next question comes from AJ who writes, Dear John and Hank, so both my grandpa and my step grandma recently shared a picture on Facebook with the caption, I bet you won't share this because you're embarrassed to have Jesus on your wall. The problem is that the picture was actually of Ewan McGregor's version of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars prequel (laughs) trilogy.
1: (laughs) I've seen this meme.
0: (laughs) Which they have not seen. Should I tell them that they fell prey to an internet troll or just let them live in ignorance, AJ? Uh, let them live in ignorance, definitely, right? Here's the thing, AJ. We don't know for sure that Jesus didn't look exactly like Obi-Wan Kenobi as played by Ewan McGregor in the Star Wars prequels. We know that I... he probably didn't, but we don't know <laughs> anything for sure. You,
1: yeah, you just can't prove it. There's no way to prove that he didn't just happen to look like you and McGregor. And in fact, it makes me think a little bit like maybe that's what we were like what George Lucas was going for. Oh, it's definitely the, what George, Lucas was, yeah, George very... Lucas
0: was going for. George Lucas was definitely going for like what is the current American imagining of Jesus in the historical moment that I am making these Star Wars movies. That said, AJ, it's one of those things where ah, just it's not going to make anything better, I don't think. This whole meme for me is actually a pretty good symbol for what's wrong Mm -hmm. with the way that we're talking to each other on the Internet, which is that one group of people is making fun of another group of people who are also at the same time – Outraged and offended by a perceived slight or a perceived failure of the culture. And mm-hmm. so we end up just kind of humiliating each other and shaming each other instead of, like, listening to each other. And yeah. that's such a bummer to me.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, like, the thing that bothers me more is that, like, I find this joke funny. Like, yeah, that's no, it's a funny joke. Me.
0: It's a funny joke, and I also—I agree with the joke's underpinning, which is that the notion that Jesus has been marginalized in American culture is just ridiculous. Like— Yes. Jesus continues to be very important to people, and I don't think that there are many people who think of Jesus as central to the human story who are afraid to put an illustration of Jesus on their Facebook profile.
1: Yeah, but but like then the like to me the the way of going about combating that is not to like share information about how this is like a silly thing it's to yes. like dupe people into making fools of themselves and that does not make them feel less like Jesus is marginalized. It makes them feel
0: more attacked. Exactly. All it does is solidify people in their pre-existing positions. The thing that freaks me out about the social internet, I'm hosting Crash Course Navigating Digital Information and we've been shooting them lately and one thing that keeps coming up is that over time when you have these information silos that we all live in, your feed becomes more and more extreme like your the stuff that you respond to is the most extreme the funniest the most cutting the most outrageous stuff and so over time the algorithm is taught to show you more and more and more of that and then you think that things are worse and worse and worse and that the other people who you disagree with are stupider and stupider and stupider And I just think that if we cannot listen to people who don't share our values, if we can't pay attention carefully to the thoughtful people who have ideological differences from us, we are so screwed.
1: Yeah. I mean, so if you want to hear more of this type of conversation with a little bit of a more hopeful spin on it, I think you might like delete this, my podcast that I do about my Twitter stream, but the thing that I don't uh, maybe recognize as a positive enough is that in many ways, we are seeing each other's perspectives more than ever. Like we are, like a lot of these perspectives were out there, we just weren't aware of them. And I think that in the short term, that's going to cause a lot of tension. But maybe in the long term, it's going to cause some understanding. It, but like, I do think it's going to get worse before it gets better.
0: Yeah, I am so much less optimistic than you are. I guess that's uh, in keeping with our personalities. But I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> not optimistic about where things are going. I see absolutely no indication that uh, perspectives are being moderated. I see increasing polarization.
1: I see signs that people who have been on the platforms for a long time are getting better at using them, whereas people who have been on the platform for p- platforms for less time are are still not good at using them, and so that is making me feel like maybe people just need to go through a process
0: of using the platform wrong for a while before they get better at it. I want to give you the last I want to give you the last word but I just disagree with that so much. <laughs> 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 like intellectually I know that I don't give you the last word often enough but that's so wrong that I feel like I have to correct you. <laughs>
1: This next question comes from Audrey, John. Let's see how we do with this
0: one. Dear Hank and John, Hank, just for the record, I'm like eight years into using Twitter, and I use it worse than ever.
1: Yeah. I've seen a lot of people, though, do the thing that you are doing, which is disengaging from it and finding other ways to communicate ideas through the internet, through social internet spaces. Mm -hmm. It's just like finding that certain platforms aren't, aren't as good at it. So... You are, to me, a sign of things getting better.
0: Me quitting Twitter, the surest sign that Twitter is stabilizing. I
1: didn't say Twitter! I didn't say that, uh, yeah, I don't believe that Twitter is going to get better. I believe that Twitter is going to get less relevant, but it's going to take a long time.
0: Okay, no, that makes me quite hopeful. All right, we can move All right, this next question comes
1: from Audrey, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I live on a fairly busy street in a big city, and there has been an accordion player under my bedroom window for eight days now. At first it was charming, and it made me feel like I was in a French film, but now I would like to murder him. Help, Audrey.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Eight days. I don't actually know how to
1: fix this problem.
0: I guess my first question is, how many songs does this accordion player know? Because in my experience, most accordion Mm -hmm. players know, like, five songs.
1: Well, or just have, like, five preferred hits, you know? Maybe this accordion player knows a bunch of songs, but knows which ones get the tips, right? Right. So it's just playing the Christmas music right now. It's just accordion Christmas carols all all day and night. Oh, God. I mean, if you want to know what I would do, I would just silently seethe Mm -hmm. until the accordion player moved on.
0: Yeah, me too. I I would not have a confrontation, but I would be really angry all the time and I would tell all my friends about it and I would complain a lot but not do anything to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. that is what i would do but but we're gonna give you healthy
1: tips for example uh save up 20 bucks and be like hey (laughs) jeffrey the accordion player i'll give you 20 bucks if you leave
0: this particular street (laughs) just go down a couple blocks it'll be fine what are they paying you i will double it Ah, here's what you have to do I would like you to play a song called
1: (laughs) God whoa man Uh, you can't you can't move that sounds like a too drastic a situation that's an overreaction
0: I hate it when other people pick the soundtrack of my life it drives me crazy even when my children do it I'm like no 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 we are not listening to mm-hmm. your Christmas music. We are listening yeah. to my Christmas music because this is my car. This is my car. It's my I bought it with
1: my money. <laughs> you cannot choose the Christmas music in it. As soon as you buy buy me a car, then you can choose the Christmas music, child. Um what
0: if Different. what if Audrey... I want a Cadillac when I retire? <laughs> <laughs> and you and can put whatever christmas cds you want into its six cd changer in the back by the way i want a cd player in my cadillac when i retire yeah <laughs> in <And, and> 2030 <laughs> wait what i mean i was actually assuming that that was on the low end oh no i was i was intending to retire at the age of 42 john do you believe that it's almost 2020 like unacceptable i kind of do just because i'm so old You know, like, (laughs) yeah, like I look in the mirror and I'm like, I mean, yeah, of course, of course (laughs) you're 40. Look at yourself, John. I do have another suggestion for Audrey, which is
1: take up the accordion. Maybe you'll appreciate it more (laughs) if you have a deeper understanding of this beautiful and complex instrument.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, like, passive-aggressive thing that you could do would be take up the accordion and then sit on the opposite corner just (laughs) learning the (laughs) accordion, you know, just trying to figure it out as you go. learning. Just how much much noise can this thing make?
1: Or go and hire the accordion player to teach you to play the accordion. Like, look, I heard your music and I would like for you to come up and then they won't have to panhandle because they have this new job getting paid ten
0: dollars a week by you yeah i think once again (laughs) hank fails to understand how jobs work (laughs) it's it's all gonna be fine it's gonna be fine in the end audrey because uh you'll you know the cold embrace of death will take care of it eventually (laughs) well Good. I'm glad
1: that we got that out of the way, which reminds me that this podcast is brought to you by the cold embrace of the accordion death. Uh, That's what they play. And when you leave Earth, you just hear the accordion and you're like, oh, my God, it's just like back in 2018 when I lived in that apartment.
0: It's the last sound that every person hears. You get played (laughs) off. (laughs) it's just like the sound of like all of the like valves open just the accordion opening on its own <laughs> today's podcast is also brought to you by ewan mcgregor jesus ewan mcgregor jesus maybe maybe probably and this podcast is
1: also brought to you by items consumed outside of yourself
0: Items consumed outside of yourself. Four Christmas presents. Yay! What are they? I think what I'm struggling with, Hank, is I just can't remember any hobbies that I have. And lastly, today's (laughs) podcast is brought to you by Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head, wouldn't that be cool if we could just do that with our limbs?
1: Yeah, or our facial features. Just pop things off, put them back on. This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by ZocDoc. Look! Look! There are, I think it's fair to say, some imperfections in the American healthcare system. But there are ways that it actually has recently gotten easier. I don't compromise on a lot of things, but I do not love feeling like I can't find the right doctor for me. And I've gotten very lucky that I have found some good doctors for me. When it comes to your health, there shouldn't be Compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines slash their family group chat slash their crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or they happen to take your insurance. Instead, like you don't have to keep going back to a doctor who you don't like. You can check out ZocDoc, a place where you can find and book doctors who make you feel comfortable, who listen to you, who prioritize your health. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual, real patients. Booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even sometimes score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then you can book a top-rated doctor today. That's zocdoccom dot com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. Every time I know it's coming, and I'm like, I'm going to have to say ZocDoc.com right now, aren't I? And then I do. I'm getting good at it, everybody. ZocDoc.com.
0: Hank, uh, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I want to get to a few more questions. Mm -hmm. First off, Mm -hmm. this one from Lucy. Mm -hmm. Dear John and Hank, how are you? I call upon you in my hour of need. I bought a plane ticket to New York. I'm from Argentina on sale because I just graduated from college, and I thought it would be fun to spend three weeks in New York City. But then it dawned on me that I'm going to spend three weeks in New York City alone during the holidays, Ah. I'm there from December 16th. To January third, what should I do? Oh my God, <laughs> I don't have any friends. Oh gosh, I, I don't have I don't have any friends in New York. What have I done? Should I cancel everything,
1: Lucy? Oh gosh, mm. this is definitely not something I would do.
0: This is not something I would do. Do you have no, a place Lucy, to y- stay? Yeah, Lucy, I think you can cancel everything if you want, and nobody's going to judge you. Yeah, but if you already have a place to stay. And you have a non-refundable plane ticket, and you're going to New York for three weeks. Congratulations. Good luck. And also, I have set up an email address for you. It's lucyinnewyork2018 at gmail.com. Oh, my God. And I have emailed you the password. Oh, my God. And if you live in New York and you want uh, to be friends with Lucy or you want to show Lucy the Metropolitan Museum of Art or something— Email Lucy in New York 2018 at gmail.com. Oh, my Lucy, God.
1: This is beautiful. I really hope that that works, John.
0: <laughs> I hope it works, too. Although, again, Lucy, feel free to cancel. Nobody is going to judge you. That's right. You might want to spend the holidays with your family. That's but right. If not,
1: enjoy New York.
0: Yeah, and if, Lucy you are, in New York, if you are in
1: New York, email Lucy in New York 2018 at gmail.com.
0: All right. We did
1: it. We did We, we did, did it, it. I think. Uh, this next question comes from this next question comes from Aaron, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, I was raised Christian and used to be pretty religious, but I'm not anymore. I've always loved Christmas, but as I've gotten more agnostic, it's become harder to enjoy it. I want to still love the holiday in a secular way, but whenever I'm say singing a Christmas carol, I feel weird because I know I don't actually believe in it. How do I get in the secular Christmas spirit? My name means Ireland, but I'm not Irish. Aaron." Hank, how do you get in the secular Christmas spirit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, th- I don't know. Like, I'm I'm into the whole story aspect of it, too. Like, I am not, uh, it, it, like, so, like, I have and love my crèches, like, we set up with, like, the baby yeah. Jesus and the llamas. I don't know if there's llamas. There might not be llamas,
0: probably. Sure. <laughs> okay. A Who? lot of llamas. Could- everybody, uh, that's what everybody says is that... <laughs> I believe llamas ah, are an animal from the Americas yeah. but everybody says that that Jesus was born in Peru.
1: Uh well maybe they're camels um and that that does seem more likely (laughs) or or possibly it's just like we're taking interpretations but i love i love setting them up i love you know like i don't shy away from the religious imagery because i see that as part of my heritage and i see it as also part of history like both the heritage but both like like both the stories i see as part of history but i also see that like that event as part of history in a way, um, you know, I I might not like deeply connect with some of the more supernatural parts of that story, but I do think that it's a very important part of, of history, obviously. And then also like, I love the art of it. I love, you know, a lot of the melodies of Christmas carols are very beautiful, whether or not they are religious or secular. Um, there are obviously lots of secular Christmas carols that you can totally get into that um, that if you if you are feeling a little bit like you're treading upon something that you shouldn't be treading upon. I could definitely see someone coming at me and saying, like, you're not being, like, respectful of these traditions as somebody who doesn't believe in it the same way I do. But for me, this is a way of, like, of honoring tradition, of connecting with history, of connecting with my
0: heritage. And I, I like all the bits of it, honestly. Yeah, and I don't think that that's weird or that you should apologize for that. I think there are lots of ways into the Christmas story, and there are lots of things that different people can connect to. Obviously, there's lots also lots of people who don't celebrate Christmas, which is great. Yep. There's so many ways <laughs> to be a person. But the thing that I always respond to in the Christmas story, and I think we can all look at regardless of our religious background, is that there was a child from a vulnerable community from an impoverished family who was born in a place that his parents were not living or comfortable Mm -hmm. and that that child was special and important and valuable. Mm -hmm. No matter what your background is, that's an important story to hear. I feel like sometimes when you've moved away from a tradition,
1: um, sometimes there are like images or ideas tied to it that, that don't resonate with you anymore or that are even like unpleasant to you now and finding new ways to, to celebrate tradition and finding new ways to establish tradition is like, that is one of the big hard parts of living in a society that kind of asks us all to decide individually how we are going to interface with it. And, uh, and that's work, but I think that it's, um, I think that, that this is, that these are times of, of the year when we get to do that work and that it's worth doing.
0: I totally agree. And also, this is the part of the podcast that when Henry and I listen, he always says, why did you get serious? All right. All right, Hank. This next question comes from Vanessa, who writes Dear John and Hank, I live in Wisconsin where it snows occasionally and it's often icy. This morning was one of those days, and at 6 a.m., I slid on the ice into the rear end of a Tesla at about 10 miles per hour. No one was hurt, and there wasn't any damage to either car, but the couple in the car immediately jumped out and began to berate me. and threaten to call the cops, which is totally fine to do in a fender bender. I get it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the... No, like, that's the thing you do. That's not a yeah, threat. Yeah, right. That's where they're like, like I'm going to call the cops on you. And, they, and you're like, yeah, please. Yeah, no, that is <laughs> the no, I've No, I already let
1: them know. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I, I'm calling my insurance right now. It's cool. Right. Sorry. I was... <laughs> I, was, I was polite and checked to make sure they were all right and offered to pay for any damages, but it didn't seem to matter to them, and they just kept explaining to me over and over that their car cost over $100,000, oh which is more than the degree I'm trying to get right now. Uh. They drove away fine, and I parked my car at the nearest Chick-fil-A to call my friend and vent slash cry after being video recorded and cross-examined for 10 minutes. Uh. So I guess my question is, why are people with more money than the average usually so rude? V isn't for Vendetta, it's for Vanessa.
1: I don't know.
0: Vanessa, I'm sorry this happened to you. There actually is some evidence that people with more money are more rude, especially to people that they perceive to be of a lower Mm -hmm. socioeconomic status than them. One example of this is that when two cars stop at the same time at a four-way stop, the more expensive car is statistically more likely to go first, mm-hmm. like, you know, the the people driving that car are more likely to be aggressive or more likely to believe that they arrived at the stop sign first. And I've read a few studies like that. Mm-hmm. I think there are a few reasons for it. The first is that I do think money blinds you to other people's experience. That said, there is never an excuse for saying how much your car costs, period. <laughs> yeah. Especially oh, after God. an accident. There is never a reason to tell a stranger that your car cost a lot of money. The fact that your car cost a lot of money should be an embarrassment to you. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem to be how
1: most people feel about it. Um, I... In high stress situations, which this, of course, is when you get in a car accident, no matter how minor, uh, it is surprising to me that some people react in anger because, like, my reaction is like, oh, God, like, the main thing I'm concerned about is that the other person's going to be angry. And so, my main concern is, like, how do I diffuse their potential anger? Right. Even when I get rear ended, I'm like, hello, are you okay? (laughs) I'm so sorry that you rear ended me. I, I apologize for my car being in the way.
0: <laughs> but I do think that when people are in intense situations, sometimes they behave in ways they aren't proud of. And I and I sure. think that's okay. Sometimes I think anger might be a natural reaction if you're already kind of in an angry place or in a stressed out place, and then this thing happens, and it just like amps your anger up, and you feel unjustly maligned and all of that stuff. I kind of get that. What I don't get is... Is not like apologizing for it profusely five minutes later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to take uh, one circumstance and apply it to uh, to all circumstances, and uh, and you know, for obvious reasons, we shouldn't do that. But th- it is troubling that research seems to indicate that the the more power you have often in the form of money, the more you try and rationalize and justify that there are reasons why you have that. And thus, you know, people who don't have it have done something wrong. And uh, that is a, it's a known effect and one to be cautious of and wary about.
0: Yeah, even unto, yeah, yeah. All along the power spectrum, by the way. Like, I think that all all of us Obviously Hank and I come at this from an extremely privileged position, but I think all of us have more power than some other people in different circumstances. And it's it's really important to remember that a lot of that is a lottery. hmm Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry that happened, Vanessa. That sucks. The good it does news sucks.
1: Like one, you get in the freaking fender bender. Two, then people yell at you and film you and tell you they're gonna call the cops. Like, we're gonna call the cops. Such a strange thing to
0: do. So I, I was recently in a very minor accident with a postal service vehicle, Hank. Uh-huh. I rear-ended them, but it was because I reversed into yeah. the mail truck. <laughs> okay. It was pretty humiliating. Uh-huh. Um, and the mail carrier got out and very politely was like, I believe that you reversed into me. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, de- that's definitely what happened. <laughs> like, well, yeah! And I eventually gathered that like, it is popular practice to intentionally reverse into a government vehicle in the mm. hopes of then claiming that you were rear-ended right. and getting some kind of insurance payout. Yeah. But no, my reaction was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And they they were like, unfortunately, as this is a extension of the federal government, this is going to take a while.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Catherine got in an accident with a Forest Service vehicle once, and I can confirm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, although in the end, they were very friendly and easy to work with, and I am very grateful the United States Postal Service is doing wonderful work, despite yahoos like me.
1: (laughs) Okay. What are we even doing on this podcast, John? (laughs) (laughs) This next question comes from Kate, who asks, Hi, Hank and John. I periodically look at rent prices in cities around the U.S. as well as the one I live in, just to see what's out there. Today, I looked at one-bedroom apartments in Indianapolis and noticed a lot of them were in huge repurposed brick buildings and included fitness centers, even outdoor pools. Is this normal? And the prices are so low compared to my towns. Is Indianapolis the place to be? Yes. Please
0: unambiguate, Kate. Yeah, it is the place to be. We have a bunch of buildings that are very sturdy brick buildings, Kate, that <laughs> have been abandoned because they used to serve industrial and manufacturing purposes, and those. Companies no longer exist, but the buildings still do. So a lot of them have been converted into beautiful apartments with indoor pools and lots of amenities, and they aren't very expensive. There are also lots of new construction apartment buildings in Indianapolis that are very nice, and there's nice condos, nice townhouses. You can get an inexpensive standalone house with a yard if you're into that kind of thing. When Sarah and I moved to Indianapolis from New York City, I remember thinking that not only were like, all of the houses, much less expensive than our 800 square foot apartment in New York had been. But, but like that worried me. I remember thinking like, does that mean that the, the intrinsic value of all these houses is like next to nothing? It turns out that it's just much less expensive to live here. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, some of them are because it is not as desirable to live uh-huh. here for some people. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's got the White River, the dirtiest river in America. <laughs> and I love it.
1: John, do you uh do you think we should all move to Indianapolis, and I don't mean like me
0: in my oh. office, I mean like everybody listening listen to the podcast right now. No, that would ruin that would ruin the vibe, man. <laughs> I would like There's no... I would like it to stay about the same size <laughs> okay. as it is, maybe a little bit larger, like when Indianapolis was in the running for the Amazon headquarters. Yeah. I was like, please, no, please don't ruin it. That said, I do really want you and Catherine to move here. I think that you would love it. I think it would take like a year for you to like it, but I think you'd love it. And it would solve so many of my problems. John, uh,
1: did you know that you and McGregor played Jesus in a movie called Last Days in the Desert?
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to me. And no, I didn't. (laughs) did it get good reviews
1: uh let's see uh it's got a 5.6 out of 10 that's not and good. uh and ewan mcgregor is uh shown as playing two different characters in the movie uh jesus and, and devil
0: and, and oh and the devil i mean yeah. wow those yeah. people in hollywood they think of everything <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, what twist yeah. is next
1: what, yeah, what could be next?
0: You'll next tell me that the bad guy is actually the dad of the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there, so there appears to be
1: not very many people in this movie. In fact, just five. There are five cast actors in this movie. That's all you need. There's Jesus and the devil, yep. there's yep. father, mother, son, and then there's get this. Demonic Woman,
0: because what movie is complete without a Demonic (laughs) Woman? That's a a disappointment. (laughs) Yeah. You know what, though, Hank? It's 77% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. For all we know, it's good. I will say this. I am tired of people who look like Ewan McGregor playing Jesus. Yeah. Because Jesus, uh, again, probably, probably, based on what we know— not a Ewan McGregor type. God, there, Ewan McGregor does This movie does has s-
1: more executive producers
0: than it has actors. Well, that's the case for most movies, actually. Ewan McGregor has oh, some sultry God. eyes. Good God. You know, Hank, looking at Ewan McGregor, I can't help but conclude that he's kind of the hot version of me.
1: Well, it's nice to know that that person is out there. If only you had those sparkly blue eyes staring intensely into people's souls, but instead you got whatever you got. Hazel
0: or whatever. I myself don't even know. They are confusing. <laughs> okay, Hank, we need to get to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. There is a lot of news from AFC Wimbledon this week. So first, all oh, of the first. men's first team has hired a new coach. His name is Wally Downs. He's a former Wimbledon player. He has coached all over, and there was an immediate response from the fans, some of it positive, much of it negative, largely because of some homophobic tweets that Wally had posted. He apologized for them and took them down, but he did also make them. Uh, In a statement, uh, one of the people who work uh, for Kick It Out, an organization that supports LGBT rights in sport, and also has worked with AFC Wimbledon a lot, who traditionally have been a, a leader on, on this front. Uh, said, We hope Downs reflects seriously on his apology and turns it into action to help sport become a more inclusive place for LGBT people. And I agree. Also, both the men and women's team for AFC Wimbledon won their second round FA Cup ties, which is great news. Hank you'll remember that getting to the third round of the FA Cup is a big deal, because that's when all the Premier League teams come in, and you can get one of those amazing marquee matchups. Uh, that did not happen. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> AFC Wimbledon got Fleetwood. Fleetwood Ooh, Town. Fleetwood, yeah. Fellow residents of the third tier. Yeah, not that's the Premier most... League.
1: So you yeah. could be playing them in just a normal game. In fact,
0: we were scheduled to play them the same weekend. (laughs) It's not the most uh, lucrative matchup we could have gotten, but if we win that game, then we'll go to the fourth round of the FA Cup, which could again be a big money matchup. Of course, winning that game will be no easy task. The women's team got matched with Hull City, which is a big team. That's a huge opponent for them. It's going to be a really exciting match. I'm so thrilled for the AFC Wimbledon women's team that they're going to be headed to the third round of the FA Cup against such a big opponent, and who knows? Anything can happen in football, so we'll keep our fingers crossed.
1: All right, John, well, the news from Mars is that there are good rocks. they are good rocks on Mars, John. Uh, we are still studying... Uh, some rocks we found in 2004 the Opportunity Rover first spotted them still trying to figure out what the heck could have formed these very pretty little pebbles uh, they call them Martian blueberries because they look like little blueberries. but mm. in more recent news the uh, the Curiosity rover has come across a weirdly shiny rock that they don't know they don't know what it is. They're looking at it and they're like that looks like metal it just looks like maybe pure metal which, might it might be it might just look like it's shiny and there's no way to tell until we get the KimCam Kim instrument on it to uh to figure out what what it's made of um and uh and that data is not in yet but it's a it's probably it's likely a meteorite so um one of the weird things about meteorites is that they're always fallen, even on Earth, and and but they are hard to find because there's just a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of geological activity. There's a lot of you know, water rushing over everything, which is why, weirdly, one of the great places to find meteorites on Earth is Antarctica, where it's actually, like, it's just ice. And in many places, there's very little precipitation. So a meteorite falls and it just stays there for thousands of years, also really easy to spot. Because there's only one way for a rock to show up in the middle of Antarctica uh, on top of an ice sheet. Uh, Well, two. You could put it there as a person or it could fall out of space. But on Mars, there has not been for a very long time any geologic or climatological activity that would uh, be great at, um, at significantly burying or moving around meteorites. Uh, so they're, and also it's a much thinner atmosphere, and so they're more likely to survive falling to the surface. So they're thinking probably this is a meteorite, which is exciting that they could uh, they could be analyzing a meteorite on the surface of another planet. Not that it would necessarily tell us. We probably couldn't tell where it came from or what uh, what kind of meteorite. Well, we could tell what kind of meteorite
0: it is, but not necessarily where its origin was, but still a cool little find nonetheless. Yeah. Can I ask you, do we know if the... Mars Insight has touched the ground yet to find out to start to figure out whether Mars has a solid core <laughs> uh I-
1: I would have I been talking about that if there was news from Insight yet. It's doing its thing. It's got a lot of setup to do before it, before it starts. Uh, it's a slow it, process, it, I would yeah.
0: imagine, to set things up when you've just landed on Mars. It's got to yes. be, even a lander probably needs a breath.
1: They are doing all of the testing right now to make sure everything's working uh, properly before they start placing
0: things on the surface. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So far, so good, though. So far, so good. And I'm, I'm very pleased to know about your rock. That's awesome. Yeah, I got you a good rock. Hank, thank you for potting with me. Thanks to everybody for listening as well. It's uh, always nice to hear from you over at hankandjohn at gmail.com What would we do without your questions? The Project for Awesome is open for
1: just a little bit longer if you're listening to this on Monday. Also the Nerdfighteria survey is out, and I recognize that a lot of people don't watch videos all the time when you're also listening to the podcast, so if you want to fill out that survey, it would help us get a more diverse view of how this community feels about various things. I'll put the link in the description. Dear Hank and John is a co-production of wnyc studios and complexly it's edited by nicholas jenkins and produced by rosiana Halls rojas and sheridan gibson our head of community and communications is victoria Bongiorno. the music you're hearing is by the great gunnarola and as they say in our hometown don't forget, forget to be awesome,
0: awesome.